0: Welcome to Commerce Conversations by Commerce Ventures, the podcast where we dive deep in fintech and retail tech with industry experts. I'm Claire Jacobs, head of content and community at Commerce, and today we chat with Rich Clow. He's an SVP of Emerging Payments and Strategy at Bank of America, where he oversees the strategic payments roadmap, increasing digital payment volumes for the enterprise. Today, Rich and I Reconnect to examine the most talked about innovation in payments, real-time payments, or RTP. Ice and Rich discuss why RTP is meaningful in the context of other payment methodologies like wires, consumer P2P apps, and yes, even checks. Listen in for more about how there truly never is a boring day in payments.
1: Hey, Rich. You and I have obviously known each other for more than a decade now, which feels crazy to say. So I'm obviously very very familiar with who you are, but maybe for our listeners, it'd be helpful to get a little bit more background of like... What's your role at Bank of America? How did you get to where you are today? What interests you? Who is rich cloud?
2: Sure. Thanks, Icebrent. Appreciate that. My role at Bank of America is to lead uh, payment innovation. And really what that means to us is more about anything that's new. So whether it's a completely new network or checkout solution like Pays uh, with early warning, or whether it's new step function type capabilities, like the most recent request for payment on the real-time payments network. Those are things that my team and I help evaluate. And we have a stage gated process where we evaluate, is this something that we should look at? Is it something that's going to be meaningful to our clients? If so, how will we go about validating that and and building it? So that's kind of where I sit. Our function sits uh, across the enterprise. So I, I spend... Probably seventy five percent of my time on consumer and small business solutions, but the other twenty five percent is with uh, our, our GTS function. And in most cases, that's looking at how do we bring the whole entire Bank of America capability set to large corporates and look for value that that serves the single product credit card client we have all the way up to the biggest global corporates. I've only been at Bank of America about five years. Before that I was at City for 18 and then a few startups before that. And I really started my payments journey in technology. I went from kind of figuring out what we needed to do and how to build it as a technologist to now really focusing more on why we need to, you know, think about something or consider evolving it and then what we would need to do it well. And then when would we need to do it? It's been interesting and there's never a dull moment in payments. There's
1: not. And I I think one of the interesting things is, you know, we've obviously seen the payments ecosystem, the payments value chain, the payments tech stack evolve tremendously in the last decade. And one of the topics that, you know, has has obviously gotten a lot of attention today and really over the last, you know, probably a year or two is is this topic around real-time payments. And I think there's a lot of both hype and confusion in the market about, one, what do we mean by real-time payments? Right, We have a whole bunch of different ways of paying today that seem real-time to folks. And two, why does this actually matter? Right, What is the pain point that this is trying to address in a world where Apple Pay has been around for a while, we have other forms of paying? So for payment geeks like you and I, it's exciting. But if you break it down for a broader audience, I'd love to just get your view in terms of what do we mean by this and why does it actually matter?
2: Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, how long do you have? That, that could go on for a while, but let me try <laughs> to start with the basics around what are real-time payments, because I, I think that that fact set is a good foundation. And for the majority case, as we look at real-time payments or instant payments, it's really the settlement network. It is the ability for banks to move money between one another for instant availability, right? And that's really novel for two reasons. One, the existing frameworks today, let's say uh, basic things in the United States like ACH, often provides instant availability of funds to a business or customer, even though the banks may need to transfer the money hours or days later. And that creates some risk and friction, and the process when it when, when there's a failure or when a balance changes, it creates insufficient funds or overdraft, and and that creates a lot of pain. So the, the second thing that's different is that these are considered credit transfers. So the bank effects that of uh, the the sending bank evaluates: is there enough balance? Uh, is this account in good standing? And all those other types of things before actually sending the both the information around the payment as well as the actual payment itself and the settlement instructions itself within seconds so i i think that's really important to to say those foundational definitions first because there's no solution that just comes from settlement like you said as a payment geek like that's really exciting but when i've worked with partners in my fraud department it's scary. Like what do you mean? It's fast and final? Like it happens in seconds. Like how do we evaluate that? Things like ACH wire and even carded payments, typically there's a little more time. So those are the things that the I think the speed of funds transfer it, uh, really is the essence of this. But when you zoom out, really why it matters are the kinds of solutions that we can deliver for corporates and consumers today. Based upon the speed accelerating. So, um, can you give me a I, couple of instances there? Cause I'd love to like shake sure. into that a
1: little bit. Like, yes, because I think that's really interesting. Like, l- let's talk about that. How do you dimensionalize that between, let's say, a consumer versus commercial, like small business versus corporate?
2: In terms of the primary money flows, usually it's a person moving money to another person, right? Or, and let's just start with a, a person or a consumer moving money to a business. So let's start with that consumer, right? So in many cases, they're the the day-to-day bill pay and transfer experience or, or using your favorite P2P tool, whether it's Zelle or Venmo or otherwise, you have no idea, nor do you need to know how the money moves, right? It's just there. And, and sometimes it gets gets there fast sometimes it gets usually you only know it when it's slow when someone tries to charge you a fee or they don't post it on time so when i say solution if you think about let's say the consumer to business bill pay right where i might go into my mobile banking application and select a utility and send a payment and again i'm just using this generically regardless of your bank and get a confirmation and and on the majority case that confirmation is not from duke energy or verizon it's it's a reference number from a technology provider in the middle and in most cases there's a a date that it says it should be posted but that date is almost never the same day and and it's always an approx uh, approximate date right so so the tool has to say, okay, if it's Friday after 12, am I going to meet this ACH window or not? So so if you fast forward to where we are now, particularly for people like myself, like I, I like to have deposits in my bank account more than I like my biller to have the deposit before my due date, right? So I'm one of those people that like gets down to like the last three or four days before the bills due. With real-time payments now, I can... S- set up that payment through a different user experience and it uh, called Requester payment we can talk about that a little bit later but when i set up that payment with that biller and i authorize that 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 transaction or that bill pay i'll get a confirmation instantly like within seconds and that is the same exact confirmation that the biller has so if there's any dispute or if someone wants to come turn my Cable TV or you know my Wi-Fi off. I, I now have a proof positive that the money is there, and and that's a really important capability that until now ha- hasn't really been prevalent. And we're seeing really really good opportunities for things like collections departments where the timeliness of that payment is critical.
1: So the bill pay example I think is super compelling, right? Because you can imagine taking it one step further and saying you know. Today historically, let's just say for argument's sake, all biller cycles run on standard calendar, you know, kind of periodic increments, right? You get you you pay your Amex bill every thirty days, you pay your mortgage every thirty days, right? Whatever, and the date might differ, but you pay it within those cycles. And now you can imagine going to a place where I pay or any consumer can pay basically at their choice. You know kind of obviously assuming that in that 30 day window but i could choose to pay my amex bill on the 20th of the month in real time based on the real-time charges versus having to wait for the 10th of oh, oh, kind of the next month so that point I, I think is is really interesting just to be provocative for a minute and, and 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 sort of say and this is kind of my question here if you think about going back to your your common around account to account or peer-to-peer transactions you know, right now i could pay you but then or Cash App or whatever. And for you and I as, as consumers, that that payment or that, that ability to send money will feel instantaneous, but it's not. But even though it's not, the fact that it feels instantaneous might be the most important thing.
2: Well, I, I, I think, first of all, these solutions are great for consumers. And they fill a, they've filled a void for almost a decade now, which is awesome. And it's and not all the people who utilize you know PayPal or Venmo or other tools have bank accounts, so it's it's added you know a lot of utility to them. I, I think that as as we've done some consumer research and we talk to to people, that there's beginning to be a separation for people who just want to move money between people right? Like I'm a golfer and whether I'm paying a caddy or I lose a bet one day or win a bet one day, I don't need the money in Venmo to pay my power bill or to pay my you know, auto loan. But there are a lot of people who do need the way that they're receiving funds through a wallet or or otherwise to put those funds to to pay for something that you can't pay for with, with the wallet. So that was kind of the, 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 be, one of the beginning value propositions for Zelle and, and that knowing that, well, the money is in my bank account instantly. And again, whether the money actually made it there immediately, same value proposition as Venmo, as soon as I saw the number hit my balance, I can move it again, right? Or I can, I can go to the ATM and I can take it out. We are big believers in the principle that the closer that you can get the funds availability to the actual settlement of the funds is better, right? And by the way, other markets outside the United States have gotten really good at this. India, um, Brazil with picks, like, again, whether you're banked or unbanked, there's tremendous value, not just to consumers, but also to the businesses they serve. Because there are a lot of small grocery stores or gas stations or street vendors where they don't operate on a huge margin and they really need to recover their cash in in day. And having the immediacy of those payments in their accounts versus paying for their supplies at the beginning of the day, taking you know cash or taking other things to offset that, but then needing to go on the next day to pay the next bills, there's a little bit of friction is if it's in a, a, a wallet, like a cash app or Venmo, then you have to either be able to buy there or you have to have the time to take it out. And ironically, one of the other big value propositions to companies like these wallet providers or marketplaces is they can now offer an instant payout to consumers. So again, as long as they have a bank account that's receive enabled on the RTP network, they can pay a premium to get instant availability. And again, that's using the real-time payments network to immediately settle into a bank account. So now they actually do have that money in, in, in a place they can do whatever they choose to or whatever they need to do with it. So I, I think it's gonna be a journey. And I think that's a great
1: segue to kind of the second segment, if you will, which is around you know small business and, and commercial. And you touched on this idea, this value proposition that if I'm a small business, Especially in certain verticals that you know we have high velocity on both payables and receivables, the ability to have very rapid, instantaneous access to funds and fund settlement versus waiting a day or two is incredibly important. So that part makes a lot of sense. Beyond the speed of settlement, so as a merchant, sort of the the, the time it takes for me to actually receive funds from accepting payments. What else do you see as sort of the the value proposition of the big kind of benefit around real-time payments you know, for that small business number?
2: One of the other things that's coming, right? It's not here yet, but the other differentiator for these instant payment networks is using what I would say, like the best available payment protocol now, it's called ISO 20022. And the reason why I would call it best is It has this balance of all the critical information that describes a payment together with the actual settlement uh, of the payment, all in one message set. And if you think about a small business, it used to be that you'd mail out an invoice, you get a paper invoice back and you get a paper check back. And then you have to go do work to post it. Then you have to go deposit your check, right? Then the next best thing is like, okay, well, it's online. Maybe I'm using QuickBooks or some other tool and now, you know, someone can, yeah, I can send an invoice and I can get paid again, getting paid might be that day, but more likely it's a day or two later until it's in my account. So now with what's coming is how do you enable a small business to provide a a request for payment or a QR code or these other things that are now going to be settled on the real-time payments network or the, or, or an instant payment network. I think that, that that becomes really valuable but it's going to take a little time to get there because there are a lot of systems and processes that have to change to enable this new kind of settlement because it's not like like just adding another option to a checkout page it's it's actually different there's a different user experience there's a different way to set up the credentials so I think there's a lot of promise there again I I think you know if it's block right? Or or Cash App, a lot of value to businesses there. Zelle is doing some great things. And I I think that RTP might enable when you need to get the money to your bank account versus when you're accepting and moving funds around within these other ecosystems that your clients choose.
1: And maybe just to go into that a little bit, this is a question I honestly don't even know the answer to. If you think about the enhancements around the data message or, or what sits within a transaction message around the new ISO standard does that actually impact things around like, for example, the experience around AP automation or AI automation from the business perspective?
2: I'd say that that's the target state, but I don't I don't believe it is yet. Right, and and here's why I think in larger corporates, um, the banks to those larger corporates will be able to build some of the technology that they can embed into their enterprise resource planning systems, you know, the big guy like Oracle, SAP, the usual suspects. Smaller businesses usually have uh, a wide variety of different tools that they use. They often want to provide choice for for customers, whether they're consumers or other businesses to pay. And I think it's just going to take a little longer to to do that work. And, And part of that's actually by virtue of the case that the majority of volume on the real time payments network today is from what I would call first party banks that operate on the network who have integrated to the network. Now that those have started to scale, you're going to see other, I'll call them resellers or technology enablers that are also, they can easily, just as easily code to the specification, but they would need a sponsor bank or otherwise to get there. So I, I think we're going to start to hit a tipping point over the next six, six to nine months as the standards have become more stable right between again we've used instant payments and rtp interchangeably right there's also fed now so it's probably worth just stating that i look at all of those as real-time payment options in in the united states or abroad it just so happens that rtp is what i've been working on a little longer but i think they'll all be the same
1: and i want to come back to the different flavors of real-time payments but before we do that uh, we touched on consumer, we touched on small business and commercial. You touched a little bit just now in corporate, but I want to just go into that for a minute as well. And, and in part, because I think a lot of the payment innovation that you know we've seen in the last couple of years, at least where most people have focused has been in consumer and commercial, I would argue probably less or less obviously corporate. Do you think that that's going to be the case here as well? Or do you see a clear application for real-time payments in the the corporate and corporate treasury space?
2: I do see them in the corporate treasury space. Uh, I I do think that there are really meaningful uh, use cases for consumer to business, whether it's a loan and uh, instead of sending a wire to an escrow account, if you're buying a home, I think you might respond to a request for payment Uh, because again, it's even faster and more efficient. We know that there are, there are a bunch of auto lenders that are using real-time payments to do payouts to dealers, right? That's great. Removes friction, removes the, the, the challenges uh, that an auto dealer would have for liquidity, right? Where they have the, they've sold the car, but they haven't gotten paid yet. And, and what about
1: like, and what about like large, large B2B flows? Like a large, you know, kind of, you know, buyer to supplier type flow, you know, I'm talking like, I don't know, Boeing buying jet engine, (laughs) I think.
2: Yeah, I think that those business-to-business use cases are going to take a little more time for two reasons. One, all of the business processes and the systems and the layers of those things, from contract to purchase order to invoice to payment, are very sophisticated. And adding in like a payment feature to that just takes a little time, particularly one where you're, you're doing a credit or... In a lot of cases, in the big, sophisticated businesses, like you've mentioned, you might not pay 100% of the invoice. You might say, right. oh, like, I didn't get the whole order, or there were seven defects. or So those types of opportunities, I think, are coming, but they may lag. I think the the small to medium enterprises or the use cases where it's between a massive corporate, you know, again, like a, a media company or a mobile phone company, Charging users on like a subscription basis, I think those are the things that are going to be a good starting point. And again, those corporates are motivated because as they see a a, a bell curve of payment choices by their clients, where on one end, let's say it's cheap and slow for ACH, and then on the other end of the bell curve, it's convenient but maybe a little more expensive and maybe a little bit faster for carded payments you know a lot of those billers are looking for like oh my gosh is there actually a way that i could pay a little less and maybe get paid faster from a liquidity perspective i think that's where some of the i would say the business innovation or the change at what will businesses do out of their own self-interest to motivate consumer behavior shift are some of the things we'll start to see soon you mentioned uh, that real-time
1: payments it's not one thing. There's a variety of different, you know, call up initiatives underway to enable the underlying rails and functionality for real time settlement and mind movement effectively. Yep. Just to go into that a little bit, why are these different initiatives? How do you think about or how should we think about one vis a vis another? Is there logic that multiple of these? What do yeah. you see happening in the market there?
2: Yeah. So I I would take like a step backwards and say, again, outside of a small handful of payment nerds, most people don't know that there are two networks for automated clearinghouse, right? In the United States today, one by the Fed, one by the clearinghouse, right? Yet again, most people don't know there are two ways to settle checks. And again, one by the clearinghouse, one by the Fed. Wires, same thing. So to me, it's almost a natural evolution that that there would be more than one way to do real-time payments in the United States. And I feel like, you know, we're a very market-driven, competition-driven environment. But it, it's still really early days to see. Like uh, I think there's absolutely space for both networks to play. There was a choice not to kind of drive towards interoperability, but to instead have different, slightly different value propositions to the different stakeholders. And again, there's a lot of support for FedNow from other large banks and small banks, the same way there is for the clearinghouse. And I think the competition will be good. I mean, I think uh, over time, real-time payments can solve a lot of problems, but not all. And just like you know, having both Visa and MasterCard has probably driven better competition, better costs, better terms for both consumers or the, the issuers that serve them and for corporates or merchants, you know, who are served by acquirers.
1: Using that as a an analogy, if you will, where you've got, you know, Visa MasterCard is kind of what's called the network rails at the at kind of the bottom of the stack. We've clearly seen a whole bunch of different categories of players that are what I'll call kind of, you know, not just built on top of, but leveraging those rails to ultimately provide, or not even just provide, but power an entirely different set of, or a different layer of entities that are kind of enabling that set of platforms to ultimately create the application, create the experience. How do you think about that in a context of of, of real-time, do you think about it similarly, Where you see? Different kind of fintech or different categories of fintech players that are effectively at kind of this middle layer, leveraging these rails to ultimately really help scale uh, and drive the f- kind of full market adoption of real time payments by being that connective tissue between those developers that are creating the application and the rails themselves.
2: I think there are two different things that are complementary there. I, I, I'm going to take the developer kind of fintech leg first. I mean, From my perspective, the most successful fintechs and value-added service providers or payment enablers in the ecosystems use the tools and the standards that networks offer, but they integrate them into businesses and user experiences in a way that that hadn't happened before so that they create either net new payment flows. like Think about all of the applications of virtual cards for business-to-business payments, as an example, right? There's a huge list there. None of that could have happened without having the ISO 8583 standard for, cart, for debit and credit, and then on top of that, the virtual card standards or the EMV standards there. So I think that there's a, a ton of innovation and investment that's been done. I wonder if this business model or these marketplaces could operate and I could now embed this new ISO 20022 message to support real-time payments. Uh, would it be differentiated still? W- would there, w- is there yet another iteration? Or would I have to completely reimagine the way I go about solving the problem that I'm targeting? So that, that's the fintech side. On the payments and the settlement and all kind of the bank and rules and reg stuff... The, it i just think that the there's less and less differentiation between again a- anyone that issues with an eighty five eighty three right w- which again visa mastercard amex discover pulse Star, there's a very long list and and i think that that would be the same for the iso messages in the united states where it's fed now and it's the clearinghouse but you know as a little bit of a futurist for payments you know, I think there's an aspiration for well, what would it take and what would need to change. This could be a whole separate podcast for when you can do real-time payments across borders, because the technology is actually here, but there are a lot of rules and regulations and the ability to, to set liability and FX and all, all these other things that still need to be worked through. But there's work in flight to do it. And again, whether, again, it's a micropayment for our P2P or whether it's a global corporate payment, I I think that those are the kinds of things that you're going to see over the next five years. I think what's interesting
1: is, you know, will you see, if you think about like true fintech quote unquote, as in true financial infrastructure players that operate in that middle layer saying, okay, well, we used to use OCT, now we're going to use RTP because... Whatever flavor of RTP you want to sort of think of when you use yep. RTP as the way to propagate or enable that experience yep. for a healthcare company that wants to pay out or a PNC comp- insurance company wants to pay out to the end consumer or a gaming company wants to yep. pay out their end consumer
2: yeah yeah so I think we're already seeing that right there are a handful of of companies in this disbursement space there are a lot of banks right there there are a lot of players here. My two sense is i I think that the they're still competing on user experience cost, and optionality for a consumer right you just mentioned user experience cost and
1: optionality and if you think about those three value drivers in the context of the principal forms of moving money today, put a capital kind of alternative of payments aside for a minute, you have got card checks, ACH, and wire. How do you think at a very high level, how do you think about instant payments or real-time payments in terms of the sort of benefit relative to those other kind of form, four forms of money? Movement?
2: I think first of all, that the instant payments it is the target state. I think we've seen... Things like OCT, like uh, the 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 carded networks, trying to get pretty close to real time enablement of for for push to card or push to debit. So I think that's getting pretty close. There's a lot of data you can augment. There are a lot of tools and and fintechs and others that allow you to attach data to carded payments. So that gets pretty close. ACH, I I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. And in fact, there's been a lot of work. If you look back over the last five years, to actually figure out, well, how do we speed ACH up? How do we have more windows? Like there's still discussions at Notcha. Should Should there be a sixth or seventh day? But that still isn't going to be the same as instant, right? And then I think the last you mentioned was wires. And w- wires are really important because whereas ACH is really built for high volume, low value payments, Wires are unique for two reasons. One, they can support very high value transactions in, in, in a, I'll call it near, near real-time way or what the way we used to think about it. So maybe it's a day or two and it's irrevocable. Once the money's there, it's done, it's final. But the other thing with wires is it's, it's really the, the best way to move money across borders, right? Where if the, there is no international real-time payments network or standard today. Real-time payments are exclusively for domestic payments. Uh, and therefore I think that wires, uh, have, ha- have a lot of longevity. I think the domestic type and style of wires may probably get migrated into RTP faster, but I think that for again, super high dollar values. Like if you just, if you're a bank and you need a bond issuance for global corporate and you need to get them their money, that's not gonna go down a real time payment rail anytime soon. And just like as a relative magnitude, the the maximum payment uh, for um, real-time payments, I think is a million dollars today, and that will go up over time, but that's just not sufficient for, you know, some of these other
1: use cases. Makes sense. One last question and maybe bring it back to the very beginning of the podcast. So, so again, you've been at the core of some of the biggest sort of innovations and in payments in the last, you know, call it a decade, two decades. How do you, and this is maybe a little bit of an unfair question, but how do you, like, how do you think about real-time payments in the context of what we've seen in terms of payment innovation? Maybe not in the last decade, but just in the last five years. How big is this? Is this top three? Is it top five? How would you sort of rate this? How big of a deal?
2: Yeah. Is so, uh, I mean, I, I, think it's, I think it's transformative. I, I think that w- when we look back five or 10 years from now, for what it took to to migrate onto RTP. It's gonna be like looking at a knuckle buster credit card authorization that our parents used to see at a, a counter in a merchant. It's gonna be like looking at a telephone booth. So big deal with more to come. <laughs> <laughs> big deal, more to come. And unfortunately it's probably gonna be a little slower. I mean, I would say it's already been a little slower than I think we expected in the United States. So uh, I, I think we're gonna really be looking for inspiration from outside the US, but, but that's okay. Like there are lots of other things that have started outside or that we've exported and people have made it better. And
1: and that's good. All right. Well, thanks Rich. This was incredibly insightful. Uh, I really appreciate you taking time on your day to come out the conversation
2: with us and, you know, look forward to keeping you going. You bet I Sprint. Thanks very much.
0: That's all for this episode of commerce conversations. If you want to keep up to date with cutting edge themes and opinions in the commerce universe, You can follow us on Twitter, at CommerceVC, find more of our content on Medium at the same handle, and subscribe to our newsletter on our website, commerce.vc. Thanks for listening.